Jamie, is it? Yeah, it is. How are you? Good, and yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a Wednesday evening, so I'm 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 nearly actually avoiding starting to do podcasts on a Wednesday. It's mostly at the weekends. I'm trying to aim for now, trying to keep the weekend free, but or the week free. Yeah. What do you call it? We said we do a podcast because you're actually one of the people from nearly Athlone, which is very rare for me to have someone on from Athlone or uh, near Athlone, Moat. Yeah. Uh, normally it's people around the world. <laughs> but yeah, I said I'd make an exception. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> so how are you keeping anyway? Uh, pretty good, yeah. To kind of get on the podcast, you have to have BPD or near yeah. enough. But have you BPD? Yeah. It's rare to let people on. Um, I was only saying that the other day. Like, if I if I had someone who was a celebrity and someone who was BPD, but an everyday person, the person with BPD would be getting on quicker, because um, <laughs> it's it's a podcast about people with BPD. Yeah. So, um, do you want to tell a little bit about your backstory? About getting diagnosed, or just in general about BPD? Whatever you want. Um. So it was mentioned to me first around the age of 17 by a psychologist. And then I was officially diagnosed properly at 18 with BPD. So I had to do dialectical behavioral therapy, I think, twice or three times. Hmm. And after that, then at 19, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Right. At 18 and a half, I was diagnosed with autism, ADHD, dyslexia, and dyscalcia. So, uh, like, yeah. were these diagnoses by the same psychiatrist? No. no. So you have, basically, you have, you have, which in the last 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 podcast I done <laughs> was literally saying how it's an educated guess. Yeah. Really but, and truly, it's basically that's what it is. Yeah, um, it's, it's an absolute educated guess. So, I mean, you every diagnosis you got was that by a different psychiatrist, yeah, yeah, which proves my point of being an educated. <laughs> and yeah, at 20 anxiety and PTSD, <laughs> yes, and you see, you you have but you have BPD, which is very close to PTSD, yeah. Then you have bipolar, which is extremely close to BPD. Yeah, exactly. Uh, autism, BPD, not a million miles away from each other either. And then you have ADHD. Uh, not a, I used to think I had ADHD before they diagnosed me. Yeah. I had four or five books read and lots of stuff study done. Two years of studying going, I think I'm on top of this ADHD. Um, yeah, so how does that feel having all these, like, do you accept all these diagnoses? I do, yeah. It was a bit overwhelming at first because I was like, okay, um, I didn't expect to get diagnosed with all these things. I was kind of quite in shock at first, but then I finally kind of accepted it. Hmm. So there's this term what sometimes people use for someone who's diagnosed with both BPD and bipolar disorder. It's kind of like an inside term. It's called border polar. It's a inside term fucking deadly isn't it they just love these new names <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> What's that? what is it again border, uh, border, border polar yeah that's it that's like when you breed a fucking labrador and, a, and, <laughs> and you have a labradoodle um 
they're just getting better. Like they're just getting right better and better. But more importantly, they they, they teach you how to cope. Yeah. Great, because that's the most fundamental. If you had three hundred diagnoses, exactly. Yeah. It, the most fundamental thing is well, can you get up every day, work? Yeah. Do whatever you need to do, and that's fundamental in in a sense of um, it's quite a lot of diagnoses, like. Um, isn't it though? In fairness, it is quite a lot. It's, I think it's eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah, you're going around like a fucking queen. Um, <laughs> legend of the mental illnesses. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Look at all I have. But like, would you agree or disagree that they're all kind of similar? Yeah, I feel that with BPD and PTSD, there's like a major overlap. See. Mm. A lot of people with BPD, well, not all, but a good few people with BPD have trauma. Yeah. And some of them, they're diagnosed with PTSD because there's kind of like a co-occurring thing going on with trauma, mm. with both of them. Yeah, and like if you have PTSD, you trauma. I got diagnosed with PTSD um, trauma. I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not. But yeah, I have a, had a, had trauma in my time. PTSD is kind of the big one. Once you know you have PTSD, you have experienced some form of trauma, like us. Yeah. Hence the name. Um, <laughs> so, do you mind me asking how old are you now? 20. Yeah. 20, you're 20. So this is only relatively new. Yeah. Um, really kind of catapulted. 20 years of age, you know, to get an eight diagnosis in the last two years. So... Um, this is a mad question. It, what made you change psychiatrists? Okay, so this is going to be a short and long answer. So the first thing, my psychiatrist, um, I had some iffy experiences. So I was diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder, and that was completely fine. But um, the issue I had was that he was denying a diagnosis of bipolar disorder and the hospital I attended mm. um, when I was in psychosis said I had bipolar disorder and he would be in contact with that doctor. He also hid the fact that I had that diagnosis and he didn't allow me to be admitted into hospital when I was in psychosis either. Right. Is this, is, hey, it's in it, but is this at loan? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Does it now obviously you can't say it, but does it rhyme yeah. with kind of like a pair of boots you'd wear in the 80s? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. You obviously can't say the name. Um yeah. right, yeah. So yeah, okay. Um moving on. Um <clears throat> yeah, that's a bit of a bollocks, isn't it? Really, when you think of it. Um it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose doctors differ and patients die, isn't that what they say? Yeah, yeah. So he 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 disagreed with a, a diagnosis you got in another hospital. Yeah, and he would be in contact with the hospital, and he also kept the diagnosis private. He didn't tell me. I found out from my medical records from that hospital that sent them out to me that you had bipolar. Yeah. And so, right here's now, and I know it is true because we were briefly talking. I find this extremely difficult to understand. Yeah. How can you have BPD and bipolar? Okay. So yeah. with 
BPD, you have your everyday moves, your ups and downs. Mm. Okay? And then with bipolar, you have your longer moves, your mania and your depression. Mm. So you'll be having double the moods. So you'll be having your daily moods along with three or four months of mania and depression. So it's possible to have both disorders, but it's very hard to pick up on both. You'd have to be kind of analyzing the person for a long time and mm. picking up on their, you know, their mania, their depression and their everyday mood swings. Like, right. And, and, and this is my ignorance um, because we've never really spoke, which is great as well, because I'm getting to learn yeah. as much as you. So I go into states of mania myself. Um, now, I don't get depression because I'm, I, I think I don't get depressed because I'm a very thick fucker. Um, you know what I mean? I'm the type to explode. Um, I don't really hold it in, so I don't turn that anger against myself. But states of mania, I would definitely like. I went into a state of mania when I was looking up the trans community, um, completely in there, like for you know, nearly a month. Um, nothing else got in complete, like, but I know I'm in a state of mania. Um, so would that not be just part of BPD or is that would then I be kind of labeled as a bit bipolar as well? With BPD, you don't get mania. You do get highs and lows, but you don't get full-blown mania. So with full-blown mania, you have racing thoughts, anger, irritability, kind of impulsive kind of behavior as well. But it would last like a month, two weeks even. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's what I'm saying. I have BPD. Yeah. I know I'm going into states. I like, I just thought that was all part of BPD. I, I, I know when I'm going in, like literally in the last podcast as well, I was explaining how I get in and out of bouts of mania, um, how I land the airplane, in other words. Well, B- BPD episodes will be kind of shorter. They'll be one, two, three, four days or a few mm. hours. So you can have definitely both disorders. If you have mania, usually if you have mania, you have bipolar disorder, right. type one. Yeah, might be in the might be in the bipolar gang yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, I could go into a state of mania for a month. Um, it doesn't bother me. Like it's like to me, I know I'm going in, and I know how to. I do land the plane, refuel, and back up again. Um, yeah, so the. I do. I, I fairly handle my mania. I thought it was just pretty normal, um, if I'm being honest. Never really. I never questioned my mania until literally now. I just thought it was just part and parcel of it. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, could be in the bipolar gang yet. Could be. <laughs> Running with my BPD, I'm very sorry I'm leaving you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> heading over to bipolar land. Um, so... That's, yeah, that, and then how do you feel then about the HSE with the way you were treated? Um, pissed off to be honest, and mm-hmm. gonna really kind of pissed off, disappointed in them. I really thought that they would kind of help me. I really thought it would be a lot more better. I've since seen like private psychiatrists. I've had a total different experience to listen to you more. I find but it's yeah. just my experience to listen to you more. The kind of take heed to everything you say they're like they're more likely to medicate you if you want to be medicated if you need to be medicated 
and right. are more likely to spend more time listening to you, to have the time to have an hour, two hours, three hours to listen to you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, at the end of like I had I had um the psychiatrist you're on about, and I had a wonderful experience. Yeah. Now that was 2009 before, you know, I remember I remember in 2009 and then in 2013 when I was being signed off, I could see the tsunami that was coming. Yeah. Which obviously is there now because you could see it going, there's going to be an absolute tsunami of people in a couple of years because you could just see, and I don't mean this, as a rude, I don't mean this rude what I'm going to say because I don't look at life like that. But you could see the younger generation were suffering. Yeah. And you could see that they were, co- they were just not coping. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at it going, there's going to be a big influx of people coming into the mental health system in a couple of years. And as it turns out, I was right. So I'd imagine I got in on time. Um, yeah. You know, because <laughs> I was one, of, I was the first. I wasn't the only person. There was 12 of us in it. Officially the first people in Ireland to do DBT. It literally was only in. Um, uh, Yeah, so we were the first people to actually start doing it uh, in 2012. Was it? Yeah, it was 2012. We started doing DBT. We, We were told we were the first. It was never done in Ireland before that. So, I mean, they had a lot more time back then. Yeah. It, and now when you're talking like, with patients, absolutely. And I was only talking to, um, I was only talking like about a month or two ago and because I keep in contact, and they're, they're up the walls. Like it's, it's, it's no longer like it was. Yeah. They're just flooded with people. Exactly. You know, so it's a pity because it's just a pity in a sense of, Two different experiences, but I suppose um, 10 years apart, really, when you think of it. It could be the fact that now this um, particular psychiatrist has a lot more patients now that they're trying to, they're maybe taking too much on. Um, I'd say so. I'd say so. It could be the fact that they're seeing so many people come in and out. They only have a certain amount of time and it's not fully, you're not fully seeing that psychiatrist, you're seeing their team. and. Yeah. You're kind of, I put like they're kind of seeing so many patients, day in and out. Yeah. Hard yeah. to like notice certain things. That's it. That's it. But it, but you were saying you're coping, so you do fairly cope, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I found the dialectic behavioral therapy was quite good. Yeah, it's very good. Fairness, it is good. Like there's no getting away from it. I know Marsha Lennon was is um. I think she charged the HSE about 20 grand to come to Ireland. Um, that's my only criticism. It's like, that was my only one. It was like 20 grand for two or three days. Uh, it was the only criticism in a sense of, but most people think, yeah, fair enough. That's what she did. That's what she did. Uh, I just thought it was a bit steep coming to Ireland, 20 grand for two or three days. I thought that was a mental amount of money. But that seemingly there's money in mental illness, so... <laughs> Beyond that, her therapy is fantastic. It is a really good therapy. You know. So listen, enough now, enough about mental health. I'm in the new zone again. I'm out of trans community. I'm into the weekend. You're a weekend. 
Is it Wiccan? What? A Wiccan? Wiccan. Oh, Wiccan. Yeah, yeah, Wiccan. So yeah. I, I've been researching Wiccan all day. So this is where this is where my head will go. It'll just dive in. Yeah. <laughs> so um, do you want to tell us how you became a, a Wiccan? Okay, so I was born a Catholic. Yeah. And around the age mm-hmm. of, I would say, seven, I was researching Wicca for about 11 years. And I finally became like a Wiccan at the age of 18. So mm-hmm. become a Wiccan, you just basically do a self-dedication ritual. It's kind of like a prayer, basically, in other words, where mm-hmm. you dedicate yourself to a certain god or goddess and you kind of dedicate yourself to Wicca. So that's how kind of I started my journey. Wiccan. Right. So you were kind of researching it as a child and then eventually, 11 years later, you just decided to fully commit it. What got you? What got you? How did you find it as a child? Like as a, a seven or eight year old child, how did you find? Did you so find? I, the first start was kind of I was looking at Roman and Greek gods, so that was kind of there's a connection with that and Wicca. So Wicca, there, there's a belief in multiple gods, and you can choose Roman, Greek, different pantheons, hmm. and Egyptian gods. I was looking at at that kind of young of an age, and then I started looking into witchcraft and Wicca as I started getting older and that's kind of really how it started I started reading books on it right okay so obviously you're a very deep person then because like I was listening to it there today I I done a book on I didn't do a full book but I went through a fair amount of it trying to get to this podcast and it's kind of really in tune with the art isn't it it's a yeah it's a belief system that's fairly in tune with the art and everything around you and surroundings and you know one of the main um, I won't say rules, but is basically harm no one. Do as you want, but harm nobody. Yeah. Um, that's what Juwan kept saying in the book anyway. Just do as you wish, but make sure nobody gets harmed. How, easy, how easy is that to do? To do as you wish, but don't harm anyone. It's not too hard. It's basically kind of like you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't harm anyone. So as long as you don't like basically bully anyone, hurt anyone basically harm anyone in any form emotionally physically it's really kind of day-to-day kind of morals you learn mm. to do as well so it is a very in tune kind of practice it's an old practice isn't it it's kind of from ireland really isn't it and the british isles yeah so it will be a neo-pagan phase so paganism was quite prominent in ireland and neo-paganism is kind of new paganism so it was founded in England uh, by Gerald Garner in the 1950s and it was based off all kind of witchcraft and paganism. Right and so you, now that you've found it your, your, your family are they still Catholic? Or they could, yeah. Right so how do they feel about it? So my um, family aren't too like bothered by it they still are Catholic practicing Catholics they don't really think that it's a big deal in the sense that as long as it's not anything bad or anything that's kind of peaceful, they don't yeah. really mind. Yeah. And it, and it is like from like I thought I knew nothing at all about it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, up until this morning. So um I I instantly thought witchcraft, but as it turns out, it's not that at all. It's like it, there is that element in it, but at the same token, it's also not that. Yeah. It is just basically being and from from 
a couple of hours and that's all it is, you know, rather than pretending I know much more than it than that is a couple of hours I was listening to the book. It was basically what I took from it was you are very much in tune with nature, the plants, the trees, the surrounding, the equinox, the cycles of the moon, the planets. The, do you know one thing I did notice is that is the Christianity seems to be dragged in. It's like as if Christianity was kind of went, in my opinion, pagans were there. And instead of trying to convert them completely to Christianity, they just lamped in all Christian holidays in the pagan yeah. holidays. Exactly, yeah. Because it sounds like <laughs> an awful lot of these Christian holidays are pagan holidays. Like, do you know, do you know what I did find comical is um Yuan couldn't say she was an American, she couldn't say Bridget. <laughs> oh god. Bridget. 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 <laughs> and uh, and I was there going, I'd love oh, to god. burn you alive, Bridget. Uh, it's Bridget. <laughs> Yeah. Bridget. Bridget. Oh, <laughs> she comes saying Bridget. <laughs> They're going, would you not research how we pronounce Bridget in Ireland? <laughs> and um, that's the only bit of the book where I was going, yeah, I couldn't be a Wiccan. I want to burn this one alive because she's fucking <laughs> cracking me going Bridget. And, and Bridget's there. And I said, it's not Bridget, it's Bridget. <laughs> I was walking around work correcting a book in my head going, it's not Bridget, it's Bridget. It's Bridget. <laughs> like a lunatic. <clears throat> yeah, so that was the only bit that I found. Bridget, Bridget. So Bridget, that was one of the things in the book as well. Bridget is a fairly big character, isn't she? Yeah, she's a pagan goddess originally. So on St. Bridget's Day is also the day of Bridget goddess. So it's two days kind of together. Yeah, yeah, and it was brought her Bridget's cross was in there as well, which is brought into Christianity. I noticed. So they're kind of um, yeah. The Winter Celeste is basically a holiday that takes place on the twenty first of December, which is near the time Christmas takes place. Mm. Um, and Ostera is Easter as well. Right. It, it answered one of the questions. I was always wondering about Good Friday because Jesus seems to be killed on a different time every year. Yeah. Um, like every time I went out to my father's grave, it was the exact same date that he died on. You know, it didn't change. But Jesus seems to be crucified at different times every year. And that's got to do with the solar cycle. Yeah. yeah like, so it, like Christianity has brought quite a good bit into paganism. Yeah, I'm pretty sure God wouldn't be over the moon. No pun intended about that one. <laughs> um, like I'm pretty sure if if I, I met you, so happy days. If God <laughs> exists, like that, He's gone. You keep killing me, son, on a different time every year. Will you just get right? That's when He died. <laughs> no, it's a bit of an insult. Um, yeah, but we have to keep with the lunar cycles. Like it, it's completely from what I was listening to that book. Paganism brought into Christianity just to kind of appease the pagans so they wouldn't go too mad yeah yeah you've 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 11 years on me um so with pay uh, with wiccan um is there many wiccans in atlone or moat or do you know many around um i don't know many around atlone or moat but in ireland there is a lot of wiccans in ireland mm, mm. i can check the exact number i know that i'm in a facebook group in ireland 
right. of wins. And I will try to get the exact number, but there is quite a good few. Okay, okay. It seems to be a big, um, uh, it does seem to be a big move in movement, um, especially in America, according to Yuan, anyway, that it's actually a recognized religion now in America yeah. where you can, even if you're put in prison, that you have to be allowed in with your, uh, you know, things that you could do rituals with. So there's, well, this is just in the pagan Aaron group. So this is just a group. So there's 704 people in the group. Nice, okay. It's pretty big for Ireland, yeah. And I know a high priestess as well from Dublin. So a high priestess, what would the difference between a high priestess and you? Um, really that they will be in charge of a coven. A high priestess will be in charge of the coven. I will be kind of a practitioner while they're kind of over me in a sense. Right. Okay. And do you have like, do you have certain tasks? Do you have to do it or just get on with your life? So just it depends, it. I guess I'm a solitary practitioner. So that means I practice on my own. Hmm. While people who are in covens, they will practice with between 13 or more um, people in the group. So there's like covens in Ireland. There's one in Cork. I think there's one in Dublin. I'm trying to think where else. There's like a few more around Ireland as well, but the main places is Cork and Dublin. Okay. And they would meet up regularly, and there'd be about around 13 plus um, Wiccans in the coven. And you you prefer to do it alone? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be probably in your gang if I was going to become a Wiccan. I kind of like my own thing. Um. So why 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 do you like to do it alone? I like to do it on my own because I kind of get to choose what I want to practice. Um, certain covens, they kind of have older ways of practicing witchcraft so, or wicca. But basically, um, there's Gardnerian and Alexanderian uh, wicca. So basically, they're kind of more traditional and they kind of have strict rules. So for example, if you're in that coven, you can't reveal any information outside of that coven to anyone else. You have to practice Wicca a certain way. They kind of believe if you don't practice Wicca a certain way, it's not the correct way. So I'm kind of against that, in a sense. Yeah, kind of like the GA in Ireland, a bit of a clan. Um, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not into sports either. I'm not into much. Um, yeah, it's a bit boring, really, when you think of it. Yeah, but so... Uh, let me see now because I never have any questions written down. So the you like to do your own thing. They have their coven, yeah. Because uh, like from what I'm listening to in the book there today is it is literally that it's like you can just do as you wish. Yeah. There is not really any kind of set thing. Really? For, there is no real. Um, it's basically harm nobody. I like that rule. It's 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 just. It's a very simple. I was listening to it today and I was laughing, but not at it. I was laughing at the fact of Christianity is 10 commandments. Buddhism is five and the Wiccans are coming right in there with one. It's like, yeah, we've the best deal on the planet. Come in with us. <laughs> one, you've just to do one thing, harm nobody. You know, um, so the spells have you like the spells and all that, you know, because I was getting into the part of the book where they do magic. And uh, I found that interesting in its own way, in its own way. Have you ever practiced magic? Yeah. So in Wicca, the spelling of magic is different. So it will be M-A-G-I-C-K. 
So yeah. I, I would practice magic. It would be spells and things like that. So spells in a way are like prayers, but with more intention and more set energy on it. So you would, so if you're practicing certain spells, you may need certain equipment like um, candles. Um, trying to think of other equipment. Um, a wand. So let's so let's like her. A wand. Now, would that be from an ash tree by any chance? It can be from anything. It can be from any tree. Okay. So a wand is kind of a ritual tool, what they use to direct energy. Mm. So less like Harry Potter and more like um, a wooden stick you're holding to direct energy. Well, you see, now, again, I was at a friend of mine's wedding years ago, and she got married in a very old pagan way. And the only reason I know this is because the wand came from the ash tree because that's where the lightning will strike. And he said that's why that's why they used wands back in the pagan times because the lightning would strike the tree and give the tree its energy. <clears throat> um, so that's where I got that information from. But um, so yeah, the symboliz symbolization of the wand, you have all that. And have have any of your spells ever worked? Oh. They're kind of basically like prayers and intentions. Mm. So I guess yes, because they will be more kind of simplistic. Again, um they'll be really kind of focusing on certain things of the year. So like for example, praying for um in the spells kind of for a good year and stuff like that. And it's usually kind of come and work out for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, and I'm not mocking when i say this this is genuine i'm going to say i do that generally on a daily basis but i tell my bacteria my gut going kind of need you to do this for me off you go and i'm being genuine i i literally talk to myself all as in the third person but anytime i want to get something done i kind of put the intention with the bacteria and go listen have a chat with the boys he kind of chat that outwards with your boys and try and make this work for me and I have to say, kind of so far, so good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of need to look at it as bacteria because it's a scientific thing. In other words, they are in my gut. I know they vibrate. I know if I set the intention with them, I know bacteria vibrate with other bacteria and they vibrate outwards. Yeah. So do you want to join a new gang, the bacteria gang? <laughs> 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 the BGs. The BFGs, the bacteria-friendly gang. Um, Noah, but I'm being genuine. I actually do do that. I actually do set an intention. And then I, I, I suppose, wish it outwards. But I never, when I was listening to the book on Wiccan, it, it was comical in its own way because I, I do do that naturally, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I do. I genuinely do. And I was just laughing going, just I do this naturally. I, um, I do do it naturally with bacteria. I, I never heard of Wiccan until today. Um, but yeah, so, so from what I'm gathering with me from a scientific point of view, and then kind of looking at, we'll say your belief, it is intention, isn't it? It is. It is intention. Like from what I was I genuinely do that. I wouldn't, you know, try and mock you or anything like that because I think that's wrong to ask someone on and ask them about it and then, ha, ha, ha. Um, this is why I, I listened to a book, just to make sure I was respectful as possible. Yeah. 
what I did look into it was going, it's the intention. It's the yeah. actual intention behind, like, I try to have as good intention as I possibly can. I don't always get it right. Um, no, I don't. Like, last couple of days now, it definitely, my intentions the last couple of days at home wouldn't be the best. <clears throat> if I'm being honest. Can't get it right every time. You know, that's my that's my get out of jail free card. You can't get and I'm still sick. So if anyone wants to feel sorry for me as well, you can do. Um because <laughs> nobody fucking else is. <laughs> oh, that was a little dig there now, you know yourself. Um, probably why I'm bold at home. But it is intention. It actually is intention, isn't it? So can I ask you this then? With you having BPD and 400 other million illnesses. Yeah. How do you get the intention? Like, I'm sick, right? And I'm being honest. My, that's where my intention is a bit lower, is yeah. that I'm sick. And no matter who you are when you're sick, you're not able to kind of um, keep the water at bay. Sure. So, uh, how do you, do you kind of keep the water at bay with, at all times? Or do you find that being a practicing Wiccan has really helped you with your mental illness? I find it has helped me because I guess I'm more kind of peace in a sense. I have something to believe in and at the same time, it's mm. kind of more peaceful. While when I was Christian, no offense to Christianity, but I felt kind of more controlled, less mm. kind of freedom, too much rules. It, it was really a, quite difficult for me to believe because I felt it was always contradicting. There's one thing in the Bible and another thing. I felt like the Bible was kind of quite contradictory contradicting different parts of the bible yeah so i, I found in wicked there wasn't really any strict rules and i felt it was more peaceful and i was able to kind of focus more on my mental health and things i didn't have to spend hours you know going to mass or praying there was no kind of worries either i just had to kind of focus on whatever i wanted to focus on whatever and and with that then so with the belief of wiccan and i know i can't compare it but like you're two years after a diagnosis and as you said, you're fairly good. Like, so I'd have to argue the case that Wiccan has fairly propelled you on because it took, it took me quite a few years, not that I'm anybody, but it took me quite a few years to learn to master um, my BPD. Yeah. And you fairly are well on with it. Like, yeah. I have to give Wiccan another shot. Um, <laughs> Be listening to the rest of the book, <laughs> but but I'm being genuine, even though I'm trying to trying to squeeze in a joke. I am yeah. being genuine in a sense, like because uh, that's a major fundamental thing to have all the all of them illnesses, and you're coping, and as you say, it's 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 down to your practice of Wiccan. Yeah, I think between atheism and Wicca, of all kind of faiths. And Satanism included, but um, I think like out of all these beliefs, they're kind of the most, uh, maybe this is a bit controversial, but the most peaceful. There isn't exactly any rules. People can do what they want. Well, I have to argue atheism is a right a bang. It's, there's zero rules with atheism. Um, yeah. <laughs> science. Um, I, 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 I love all the religions in a sense of I think they're fascinating. I think everybody was off their head when they were writing them, if I'm being honest. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I don't say that as a joke. I just okay. do. Yeah. Like, there's no way they're not off their heads. Um, it's like people were off their heads up until 1910. 
It's only in the last hundred years drugs have been a problem for humanity. Previous to that, they were just whatever. Um, so I do, I do think, but atheism, you know, I, I, atheism sits perfectly with me on the basis that when I had belief, that's when I was in the most amount of trouble. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and emotions got me into a ton of trouble. Whereas now I like to ground everything in science. And it sits well with me in a sense of, I can sit well within my own scientific, as I said, even with the bacteria, I know they're there. Yeah. I know they vibrate. I know they vibrate to other bacteria. So I know all of this happens and it can be proven. So I like that. I like that sense of structure, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say atheism and definitely Wiccan. Uh, it isn't, it is, I'll tell you one thing, I listening to the book there today, it's pleasant in its own way. I will give it that. Um, in, a, in a way, if, as you said, you can pick anything you want. So it's not as if it's kind of, it is a very unstructured fate, isn't it? It's in that yeah. it doesn't have, you can literally be any form of Wiccan you want. So long as it goes back to that one rule. And even like, they don't have like a Pacific Bible or any sacred text. They do have a book of shadows. It's like spell book, but you even create that yourself. It's actually something you create yourself. So that's right. That's what mom was saying. Yeah. She says you're better off to do your own, your own spells. Yeah. Did you ever put a spell on someone to love you? No. <laughs> that was one of the, well, this was one of the spells. By the time I was finished listening today, um, one of the spells was putting a spell on someone to love you or putting a spell on someone if, you're, if your partner was falling in love with someone else is to get them <laughs> back. It didn't even mention a gal in the petrol. <laughs> <laughs> I always have to revert to violence. See, I'm not a Wiccan. <laughs> you are... Some Wiccans do, though, believe in curses, not all, but some do. Do they? Yeah. So some Wiccans would be kind of making sure that the gallon of petrol would be still there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, if you any, um, so beyond then the Wiccan autism. Yeah. I score 29 out of 31 for autism. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not diagnosed with autism. It's that, I wouldn't mind. I found it again the other day in the house. It's down there from the Autism Board of Ireland. It's easily one of the best bits of comedy I've ever seen in my life. Because um, <laughs> you score 29 out of 31, but you're not autistic. I find that extremely weird in its own weird way. I don't care. I don't care if I'm BPD. I don't care if I'm not BPD. Or I don't care if I'm autistic or not autistic. I care that I can cope. Yeah, I definitely think there's an autistic streak in me because I do get focused on things very, 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 very much. And yeah. then I can't just can't get off them. Um, so how how would you explain your autism? So mine is on, on a spectrum in autism on level one. So level one, this is kind of an outdated term to use. Mm. So some people might not like it, but it's high functioning autism is what the term will be, or Asperger's, but that's Asperger's. where I will be on the spectrum. 
And what then would be the difference between you and a neurotypical? Um, so I guess the difference will be that the way I kind of process things from a neurotypical person is quite different or the way I see the world. Mm. So, for example, I would, again, neurotypical people can do this, but I stim. A few other things I do is I have spins. So spins are kind of special interests what uh, autistic people have, specific subjects that they love talking about and they kind of stay focused talking about them. So there might be two or three specific subjects that autistic people may love to talk about. What would yours be? <laughs> Wicca. <laughs> uh, mental health. Yeah. Disabilities. Yeah, but they're, they're very much true to your own nature. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, it's like I talk about BPD all day long. Um, yeah, I think we do. I think we can get focused in on them. You know, it's like I do laugh because, you know, you could talk about ants for hours. <laughs> That's the time. Like I find with myself. You know, if you were if you were if you were talking to me a couple of weeks ago, it's trans this and trans that and trans this and trans that, and I was looking through the world in a complete trans way. Yeah. Um. And I went on to something else after that. I can't even think now what it was because now I'm in Wiccan, so I can't. <laughs> <think>. <laughs> and my mind will do that. <clears throat> my mind will do that, and then next month I'll be on something else. And that's what I love. I love that part. I love that part of the brain, the way it just does that, just jumps and jumps and jumps and jumps. And I don't even know where it's going to bring me, you know. So you're completely focused on Wiccan. What else about Wiccan then can you tell me? Uh, well, um, there's more. I wanted to go on about the autism myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I heard, yeah. yeah. So there's a bit kind of about life sensitivity. So sometimes I wear darker shades of glasses so that light doesn't hurt as bad yeah uh, I kind of have a habit not always but like of interrupting people and sometimes with social cues so not always but I have a hard time of understanding certain sayings or sometimes sarcasm as well yeah yeah sometimes it goes over my head even though I'm one of the most sarcastic people on the planet yeah it's all right when you're giving it sometimes it goes over my head tones Destroy yeah. me. Tones destroy me. Absolutely destroy me. But I think that's a BPD thing as well. Um, yeah. Someone's tone, if they're talking with a tone, it, it, it's, it just destroys me. It, I, even trying to explain it now to you, I'm fumbling yeah. because it has such an effect on me. Is it a tone? A tone to me is a nightmare. Yeah, it depends. I agree with that, agree with you there, that it is a BPD thing and an autistic thing, so I can see that certain, it depends on what certain tone someone uses when it comes to BPD, mm. I could send a person into a literal episode depending on what type of tone they use. Yeah, yeah, people don't realise that. that. Yeah, people don't realise when they're talking to you. When I'm talking, it's very much this type of tone. Um, yeah. But people don't realize when they're talking to that, even a tone that could just be like that. And some yeah. people naturally talk like that. Yeah. Not realizing you're there going, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, yeah. I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. And, you know, they don't realize when they're talking like this that you're actually getting triggered. Yeah. 
exactly. And then they go, what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with me. Trust me, there's nothing wrong with me. You want to tone down that tone. <laughs> and then what autistic people, the tone, they can't differentiate between like three different tones. So if a, person, a person's sarcastic, if a person's speaking kind of happily, it depends, like they can't really understand. No, I. my sister does that. My sister at times, she'd be chatting to me and like that, her tone wouldn't change. And I would correct her in the scientific version, not realizing she's telling a joke. You know, that type of it, where yeah. she'd be kind of telling it and I go, oh no, well, this is actually what it means. And she'd be like, well, that's a joke. Yeah. And I, I w- it would go over my head. It would just go over my head because the tone didn't change. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'm up there with you on that one. Definitely. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a night. It's not a nightmare, but it's the same talking. You do miss social cues to a degree. I definitely think that there is, besides myself, I'm sure there's other people who have both BPD and autism. Yeah, I, I look, 29 hour 31, you're over 90%. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I got cured is because my brain is so analytical. It just looks at things extremely analytical. Even though I have a ton of emotion, it looks at, like I looked at my BPD like, I did eight hour nine. I just went, just work on number one. When you're finished, work on number two. And I even today with my life, I look at it and go, well, this is what you have to do with this problem and work on it until it's finished. Yeah. So I don't work on my life. I work on very small problems I have yeah. in my life. So anything else on autism? It's harder to get diagnosed when you're an adult than when you're a yeah, child. Yeah. And you were you were diagnosed early enough though. Like you well, you were diagnosed at 18, but so yeah. you were just an adult. Yeah, I was lucky because there was an educational psychologist down in Galway and he does adult assessments of autism. So luckily I was able to see him and I was diagnosed there and then. <laughs> That was it. Yeah. And do you find it awkward working or do you find it awkward? With, and does it interfere with your life in any way, being autistic in that sense? It interferes regarding lights. So if fluorescent lights are on too long, I'll get really bad migraines. It doesn't, it's not too bad when it comes to social cues and stuff. I kind of cope with mm-hmm. that. Uh, but regarding kind of other stuff with autism, um, I guess tones and kind of social cues, but both specifically on the sarcasm side, that's a bit annoying. Yeah, yeah. That side, the social cues. I find the crowds. Love, I love concerts. I hate crowds. So every concert I go to, it's always at the edge of the crowd. I always, I'm at the edge closest to the door. You know, and literally, I've been to, I've been to about 156 concerts. And I stayed for one concert complete. I always leave last song or second last song so I don't get caught in the crowd. Ah. I've literally stayed for one concert in my lifetime. That I literally stayed till the end. Um, which I'm glad, actually, because the song I wanted to hear was at the end. 
But yeah, I can't handle crowds. I can't, even though I love concerts, I hate the crowds. I hate them touching off me. Yeah. I can't handle people touching off me. You know, do you find that now? Yeah, I'm not too fond of touch unless I want to be. If I want to hug someone, I would like to hug someone. Yeah. But if I don't specifically want touch, I, I probably will jerk away from a person. Yeah, I'm the same. It's, if, if someone comes near me and I'm not expecting it, it's the equivalent of slugs sliding over my body. You know, the best way I can explain it. In other words, I don't like this. Go away. <laughs> you know. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's the autism. That's uh, that's the autism. We've done yeah. the BPD. I've no, of course, I've no other questions than myself. We've done the weekend. We've done the BPD. We've done the fact that yeah, we weren't overly happy with the uh, service, which is a pity. It is a pity that you know because uh, as I said, I had a good experience, and it's a pity that it's gone so busy. But if it's gone so busy, it just goes to show that it is getting worse. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I have children. I can only imagine how bad it's going to be for them. Uh, you know. I think, oh, yeah, there's the LGBTQ community. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The LGBT, because I, I was in the trans, I was in the zone, so I'm still kind of geared yeah. into that. Yeah, so are you, are you in, you're in the LGBT community? Yeah. So you're definitely one of, you're definitely, I won't say one of them, but you're definitely, I'm going to make an educate, I guess, and go a lesbian. No. <laughs> oh, you're not, there you go. <laughs> so which one are you? So this is one which isn't talked about as much, asexual. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, so let's talk about it now. So asexual. Is that where you're just not interested in sex? Um, it's where you're not interested in sexual attraction, but you may have sex. Oh, no, you're going to have to fill me in on that Definitely. one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're not <coughs> going to have to cough for this now. So, right, you're not interested in sex. I'm not even going to try and explain it. You tell okay. me. Yeah. So... Asexuals don't experience sexual attraction and sexual attraction. So, for example, I describe it as when you instantly look at someone or think about someone, you think about wanting to have sex with them or whatever. Mm. Mm. However, some asexuals may have sex for reproductive reasons, pleasure, because they still have body parts, they still feel arousal or pleasure. Mm. So Mm. they may have sex or some may not. So they don't experience the sexual attraction. But the act of sex, they may be positive towards it or repulsed by the act. Depends. So maybe repulsed by the act. Now, the thing my mind automatically goes to then is if you're repulsed by sex, child abuse. Um, yeah. You know, because the, the, we are a species that are we, not us, everything on the planet has two functions, survival and reproduce. That's everything. There's nothing out there. There's like, there's literally, to the best of my knowledge, nothing exists without them two functions. I know food is the other one, but like, if you don't have a desire to reproduce, it's going against the fundamental laws of nature. Yeah. And I think then, from what you're saying, asexual, if you've lost that, 
Mind you, you might have too much serotonin in your body as well. So some may be repulsed by the act of sex and some may be positive to the act of sex. Does that make sense? How would you be asexual then? Okay, so they don't experience the sexual attraction part. So explain that bit to me. Now, and I, I don't okay. know. So don't no, that's completely understandable. Yeah, because yeah, I'm so, completely lost now. So I won't... So, I'm not okay. going to come across rude, in other words. So that you, Definitely. yeah. So imagine, okay, I'll put it this way. So, let me see, what is the best description? There is something what I was thinking of. So, and if, let me put it, if you, if you seen a, right, if you seen a lad, a fella, uh, sorry, are you attracted to, to fellas or women? Romantically. I don't know, either way. Uh, but, but, right. So, have you seen someone that was attractive? How do you engage? Because that's the first thing. That's the whole first thing of it is the attraction. I see them as pretty, but not anything more than pretty. That so, sense. if you seen somebody, let's just say, for example, you seen a fella or a girl. We'll use women because women are, are, are a lot more attractive in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so you see a beautiful woman and, you know, she's done up to the nines and all that. You're not attracted to her. No. Yeah, not sexually. Romantically, yeah. Right. So what romantically, so I'm a fella, so this is where we do kind of uh, lose... Um, most of our intelligence. Um, so romantically, geez, I'm not going to win any Oscars for this now. Uh, romantically, so would romantically be that you just want to spend time with them, you want to yeah. get to know them, you want to more learn about them as a person, and you want to just know as much as you can about them. Yeah. And engage in hugging or kissing, but not sex. Yeah, which is I must be a pure romantic myself. Um, there's no way could you come up with all that answer. I don't have it written out here in front of me. <laughs> um, right. So that's kind. Of, there's that John again. Um, so that's kind of. Is that not pretty normal though? So well, I guess the thing with asexuals will be. So imagine there is food, right? Mm. Okay, so specifically, let's just say oranges for the sake of it. So some people like them and some people don't. But if you're really hungry, you may eat an orange because you're hungry, or if that makes sense. So asexuals yeah. are sexually attracted to people. But if they feel arousal, which is the body kind of is quite natural to feel arousal, which is separate from sexual attraction your body yeah so they may feel arousal so they may have sex for the sake of fulfilling the so-called itch or arousal what to feel just to get rid of it so then they would be feeling natural feelings though would they not they would be feeling arousal but they won't be feeling the sexual attraction 
So they'd be feeling her, but again, that would be a natural primal instinct. Yeah. yeah. So they're feeling the natural primal instinct. So what's the difference then? Because like men feel that. A they man, don't feel the... A man can have sex with a woman and just, it means nothing. Yeah. Like They won't you know, have the capacity to feel, when they see a person, they won't have the capacity to think, oh, I would want to have sex with them because they're quite attractive. They would have sex possibly just because they fulfill their, you know, their arousal in a sense. Again, my brain is gone, but is that not <laughs> one of the same thing? There, so for some people, sexual attraction and arousal are connected. Mm. And then for some people, sexual attraction and arousal are separate. So if it's together, you mm. would feel, if you've seen someone attractive, you would think, oh, I want to have sex with them because they're attractive. And I'm also going to get pleasure for it. Well, asexuals will think, oh, I'm not sexually attracted to that person, but I'll have sex with them just for the pleasure. So while a normal person feels the arousal and the sexual attraction, an asexual person just feels the arousal. My mind's drawn a blank. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my mind's drawn a blank. I can't, I can't get it into my head. I can't. Um, yeah. Which is, which is mental for me in a sense of, I was going to say explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old, but then we're going into a different realm. Um, I Because I'm dying to get to know this because I can't make sense of it. I know. It can be I, different, definitely. If I want to have sex with someone... Yeah. Just for the act of sex. Okay. Yeah. That's asexual, is it? Um, The feeling no sexual attraction is asexual, but... Some asexuals who are sex positive will have sex. The ones who are sex repulsed won't have sex. Now, the ones who are sex repulsed, I, again, I go back to, I wonder was there, I don't know, I wonder was there child abuse? Some there might have been, but majority of them, no. So then they're just repulsed by sex. With both, with which male or female yeah so you could have an asexual fella yeah and he's repulsed by sex yeah poor bastard um yeah that's fucking like that's kind of that's a bit of a curse in its own way. <coughs> that's a bit of a curse you know because i mean that's call a spade a spade that's kind of the whole one of the major things in life, food, sex. Um, yeah, one of the bigger things in life, reproduction. Yeah. So to not have that in your system. I don't know. And then the ones that are sex positive will be the ones that have sex for just the pleasure. So there's a sex positive asexual and a uh, sex repulsed one. Sex repulsed. And then there's the neutral one who may have sex just to have kids. Just for the sake of having children. There's no other. 
What's the fuckers that could have too much serotonin in them? Did you ever look that up? Um, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes if you have too high a level of serotonin, you uh, you lose your sex drive. Oh, they still have a, a sex drive, but they don't have a the attraction. I can't get that into my head. I just can't get it in my head. How can you have a sex drive, but not attraction? So is that like riding? And there's the pure at low on me. Is that like having sex with someone? You know, just for the sake of having sex, it's like just having sex. Yeah, without any, without being attracted to the person. So it's like an old dirty drunk night out where you go, do you know what? Any port in a storm. No, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know what <laughs> I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So it's, again, yeah. Again, that's just to relieve yourself, isn't it, really, when you think of it? Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, the natural, I was chatting to a friend of mine the other day and you know, one of the most, one of the best bits of advice I ever got was from a man I worked with. And, you know, he, he had he had great wisdom. And he says, you know, when you break down people, everyone just wants a release. That's yeah. all I want. Everybody. Some get it through sex, some get it through drinks, some get it through drugs, some get it through art, whatever. But it all boils down to people just want to release. Yeah. You know. And maybe, maybe the now I'm trying to understand, maybe the people that are asexual, yes, they don't technically get the whole aspect to drive, but maybe their body needs the release because that's yeah. a natural rhythm. Is that yeah. exactly yeah? It's like, yeah, so now I'm I'm understanding it through him in a sense, going, yeah, maybe they don't want to actually have the act of sex but yet their body needs the act of sex it's a bit yeah. like it's a bit like if a fella doesn't masturbate um which we all know now the priests definitely do um no and this is the truth because if if, yeah. if, if fellas don't masturbate they'll get prostate cancer so it's it's very important um so yeah so maybe maybe that's what it is it's the release it's the actual yeah. Not the whole pleasure of it. It's just the natural uh, body's release mechanism going, look, I know you're not big into it, but uh, you kind of need to do this because there's a natural rhythm. And even though you're not big into it, the body has to perform what it's designed to do. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm fucking delighted I got it. I knew I got it at the end. That's what, so for me, I will be a sex positive asexual. Which means you are just letting your body do its natural thing, even though realistically you don't crave sex. Yeah. Yeah, Fact. yeah, yes. I get you now. I get you now. So you wouldn't be dragging the poor fella into bed going, get in here, you fucker, yeah. Um, you'll be whenever o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That poor fella as well, or poor woman. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, were you, were you always like that? Yeah, since I would say about maybe 11, 12. So realistically, you were always like that. I mean, pre-11, pre-12, you're a child. 
Yeah. You know, generally children don't have sexual desires before puberty. There's a lot of whatever, touching and getting to know themselves. But there's not really anything other than that. Um, yeah, so you kind of were, you were, you're asexual since you were kind of a teenager then, realistically. Is that true? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your body then is just performing the act rather than, Jesus, I'd love a bit of that now. Uh, and then you get the, so you don't get cravings. No. You don't get the urges. You don't be fucking, you know, once or twice a month on Jesus, I'd love a bit of that now. No. <laughs> no. I could miss out on sex for a year or two years. Yeah. Or months. My mind has gone blank. This is the first. Um, yeah, that's that, like not so bad for you. But then would it be fair to say it would be more appropriate for you to find another asexual partner who might be feeling the same way? Yes and no. I guess it depends on if I was with a sex repulsed asexual and I wanted a release, they wouldn't agree to that. <laughs> That'd be a nightmare for you. Yeah. Not so, not so good for you with your your year retreat and you're there going, yeah, yeah, the body is... <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> yeah, so you're getting the long, wrong end of the stick on this one then. Yeah, so... Yeah, see, it's it's getting into extremely confusing territory in a sense then of how do you manage it? I would have to find an asexual who's either sex positive or someone who's not asexual. You nearly want to be filling out an application form. You nearly want to be handing them out an application form. <laughs> Fill out this before I even dream of going out on a date with you. Mind you, you have all this... Um, I'm going to sound really old saying this, but I think my age group are still you are used Tinder. Is it? A, yeah. I was listening to a book there a couple of weeks ago on giving up social media because I give up social media, and uh, <coughs> seemingly with Tinder you swipe right. I felt like a fucking legend learning this stuff, and swipe left if you don't agree with it or whatever. Yeah, and they don't know. Is that kind of weird in its own way? I mean, it is the whole fucking, you know. Going up to someone, you see, here's the problem with your generation, and I sound like an old man now. <laughs> this is the fucking problem with your generation. Yeah, exactly. No slow sets. You see, in my generation, you had it. You had three slow songs at the disco, and that was your chance to go up to the bird. Or woman, because I forget. I'm chatting to you, so you know the lingo of that. <laughs> um, a woman for anyone else listening in. So that was you had three songs when I was a young lad. You had three songs. You were dancing like a fucking march goat, just coming out, and you're like a lunatic dancing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the DJ had hit that slow song on. And you knew you had an average of 10 minutes to walk around the, the nightclub 
and hopefully find someone that go with you. And you see, it's your 10 minutes, you're, you weren't exactly hitting home runs because there was a couple of rejections there. Would you like a dance? And you had to ask them out for a dance. You were getting a lot. You were getting a lot. I was getting a lot of no's. <coughs> you know what I mean? Wasn't much call of Don Juan in today. So you didn't have much time. You had to work hard. for nowadays. But nowadays, yeah. Now I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it is nowadays. But that's my point is, is you had the rejection. You know what I mean? I mean, if you swipe left with this Tinder, nobody knows. Yeah. But you're going up to a girl there in the nightclub and you've, 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 right, fair enough, you might be drunk. But you're still going up to her. Her friends are looking at you. They can see you walking towards. They know what's going on. They know, oh, here he comes. And you have to go up and go, would you like to go for a dance? If she says no, you have to, you have to handle that rejection. <laughs> the beauty of this was this. You had 10 minutes. You didn't have time to wallow in the rejection. Because you had to get out of there and get to the next bird really, really quickly. Because once them slow sets were over, you were done. Ye, ye have it all at your fucking fingertips now. You know, yeah, yeah. It's like your man or your one in in whatever the next is it a five mile radius? I I thought I heard. Is that yeah. true? The five mile. I mean, you're getting a fucking handed to you. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally getting it handed to you. We had to work for it. <laughs> I, think I think that's the problem. I mean, if you look at, and I know we're kind of going off track here, but this is important, I believe. Yeah. Because if you take me when I was a young lad, I had 10 minutes to walk around the nightclub. I was definitely going to be rejected about two times. My brain is telling me add another six onto that, but that's not true because I wouldn't have the time. But I was definitely going to be rejected twice. And then you're rejected them because women don't exactly fucking stay on their own. They love being around each other. So you're not being rejected by her. You're being rejected by her. And you have to look at all of her friends as you walk away. And you have to get to the next girl before the slow set ends. This whole tender, they're sitting at fucking home. They were yeah. not sitting at home. You're not even fucking, you don't even have your pack or a ban on or your fucking old spice. <laughs> <sighs> Open, they'd love it. And you mean, you're, you know, you're just sitting at home in your fucking tracks of bottoms. Maybe, I don't know, you're putting up your best picture. False as fuck, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? This is who I look like. And you're looking in the mirror at yourself in the grey tracks of bottoms. And you're there going, I don't look one bit like this. <laughs> uh. You know what I mean? So anyway, see, that's the difference nowadays. We to work for it. Now yeah. you have fucking, I don't even know, you couldn't be asexual when I was younger. You didn't have time. There's no time for it. So you'd have to end up with someone who was asexual, but not asexual repulsed. Sex repulsed. Yeah, sex repulsed. Yeah. How the fuck do you meet people like that? Uh, there's only 1% of asexual people in the world, so you have to. He'd be left with about half or a quarter left. I don't know about you. Did you ever notice this one percenter? Did you did you did you notice that lately? There's one percent of everyone, or two yeah. percent. 
two percent of people with BPD. There's two percent of people with narcissism. There's two percent with psychopathy. Where are they getting all these two? No, there's one percent with asexual. Where are they getting these ones and twos out? Uh, probably the fucking is I don't know zeros and not the matrix. Um. Yeah. Again, you like now. So you've never been out of this. You're kind of eight years into being asexual. Did you ever ask? Did you ever ask a psychiatrist about it? Is it something that can be? I don't even know if cured is the right word because I don't want to be rude. Um, I talked to a two about a to a psychiatrist. They said um, there's like loads of kind of people who like identify differently with their sexuality, but doesn't say too much about it. Yeah, yeah. But they were curious to ask questions like to say, what does it mean? What mm. does it mean like with sexual attraction and sexual arousal? And yeah, there's a whole load of questions after. <laughs> and you know the way, yeah, because you, you have all the, the, the names, I suppose. Are these names made up by psychiatry or are they made up by people who have it? Um, who are asexual? Hmm. Um, yeah, they're made up by asexuals. It was used, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think around 1930s, 40s, for the first time on the Kinsey scale. Right. But you know, the way the Kinsey scale kind of had gay, um, straight, homosexual, uh, bisexual. And that had asexual just down to zero at the time. <laughs> and then to start using asexual then properly. And it's only kind of been talked about more in the last kind of 30 years. Right, right. So then, you know, but then again, if you're not, and my brain, you see, I have a big frown on my face because I you can't see it, but I have a big frown on my face because my brain is trying to, it's trying to kind of get it all in my head. <laughs> So then, like, would it be fair to say that you would find life more better because you're not driven by sex in a sense of that you would enjoy the person's company that bit more? Yeah, I guess, yeah. I didn't really see it that way. But, yeah, it is, it is nice kind of to enjoy a person's company a lot more. Yeah, you're, you're not, like, you know, you're not kind of going... Hey, I think you're great. And in the back of your head going, fucking hell, I'm putting a lot of effort in here. Will you fucking come on? There's um, not, a, it's hard with my generation with a lot of young people, not in a bad way, who are interested in sex. And that's why I don't mind. It's just hard in a sense that it seems to be a big focus in their lives. And, and they're wondering, what about you? And I'm like, um, I'm yes, <laughs> Yeah, over. I, I'd imagine, no, I'm, I, I don't know. I'd imagine the younger generation, when I say younger, your generation, you're 20, yeah. I'm 22. Um, <laughs> I'm 43. Um, I'd imagine, I'd imagine the younger generation now are just sexed mad. Yeah. And the if reason I'm saying this is because of the mental health. In, in other words, when any species thinks it's dying, it wants to have sex. That's just nature doing its perfect thing yeah you know it's like you know if you really really love sex your body thinks it's dying constantly 
And there's so much stress out there now. I'd imagine they're just fucking mental. Which lands you in a very... You're like a black dot then on a white page. Yeah. And young people, if nowadays, I guess my generation, if they don't have sex in a relationship, they're more likely to get up and leave that relationship. Well, I mean, it's not the number one thing of a relationship, but it is pretty much what separates from being friends. Yeah. It's quite important for young people, I guess, my age, for it to be twice or three times in the week, four times. Mm. It's quite important for sex with young people in my kind of generation. Where's, where's one every leap year, do you? Yeah. <laughs> On the 29th of February, we're good to go. Um, yeah, so like, then, yeah, that's, and it is, it's, I suppose it would be for the younger generation, but... So then how do you navigate relationships? It is complex in a sense. So I've been, again, when my BPD wasn't in control, so this would be back when I was around 16, 17, it was quite difficult because I had a sense of being too involved in a relationship, more on the kind of romantic side, but I was too involved in the sense that I would focus too much on a relationship and being asexual as well so I would I would date guys and girls so some of them will be bisexual some of them will be um gay but um there it was really difficult because I just didn't know where I kind of was in a sense so if I was with a guy I had to explain I was asexual and when I was with a girl I'd explain I was asexual as well but with my BPD also it was quite difficult with relationships and you see, people with BPD generally have a really active sex drive. That's generally across the board with people with BPD. Um, well, no, it's not. But it, it's, it's, I would argue it's more than not. Yeah. Um, yeah, because my brain is going, no, it's not. <laughs> so <laughs> I love my little critical brain. Um, but it would be more than not. Definitely more than yeah. not. Um, so... Yeah, so how do you navigate that? How do you navigate that in a relationship? Do the relationships then tend to fall to one side because there is a lack of... I mean, it is the intimacy in a relationship that separates it from being friends. Yeah, it, it would. I'm able to compromise with people or partners. Hmm. But I guess with my BPD, I think that would be kind of the downfall in relationships to kind of... I wouldn't blame the BPD fully, but I'd say when I was younger, when it wasn't in control, I would be kind of consumed by relationships. So it'll be a lot more difficult for them, for a partner to understand, especially if you're 16 or 17 and your partner's 16 or 17, they won't understand. A lot of people who don't have mental health issues don't understand mental health issues. So mm-hmm. they'd be kind of confused with BPD. They'd be like, well, why are you having so much mood swings and stuff like that? I'd be like, well, <laughs> borderline here <laughs> and it goes with the territory um yeah there's there's my swing outside it's a mood swing um, <laughs> yeah so yeah so, the, so the, are you in a relationship at the moment no no and are you looking for a relationship 
uh, in between. So, yeah. So it's like, yeah, like I know I'm interrupting it. Would that be a good thing with Tinder as well? Because like, could can you put down on Tinder that you're asexual? You can, but uh, be it honest with Tinder, every nearly everyone on Tinder wants to have sex. All right. Okay. That's what it's for, so is it? Yeah, majority, like, people do go on dates, but even if they go on dates, they're looking for sex specifically. It's it's a one-night stand job. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, what, what would hinder you in a relationship then? I kind of come consumed by the relationship, so I may stop talking to friends or stop kind of focusing on my friends. I might focus more on the relationship. I might tend to kind of become slightly obsessed in the relationship, maybe focus only on them rather mm. than focusing on myself and my own needs, in a sense. And my with my mood swings and stuff. I'm sure like if they're able to witness my mood swings, then that's grand, but some people can't. I've dealt with that. When you say mood swings, are you a lunatic are you a lunatic when you go into the mood swings? Depends which mood swings. <laughs> Like, would you be would you be a crier or a troar? Both. You're both, yeah. You're 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 the original fucking lunatic. Like myself. I'm not gonna say I was any different. I you know, I'm not so much anymore, but yeah, I'm more of a prick nowadays. Because a lot of people listen to this and they think, Jesus Christ, Sean has it all together. He's a legend. And I don't like the idea of that as if somehow I'm up on this fucking pedestal. I can be an awful prick. The only difference is I'm choosing. That's where the narcissism comes in. <laughs> it's like I'm very much controlled being a prick. Um, and I will not let go of it. Because I'm not trying to not be. It's like, if you're, if you, do you know what I'm a fucker for doing? Oh. Murdering back people to themselves. And they hate it. They hate it. And I'm a, I'm a fucker for it. I just kind of have this massive mirror in front of me, mirroring them back to themselves. <laughs> and they just do not like it. Yet all I'm doing is copying them. Yeah. Turns out people that turns out people don't like what they do. They definitely don't like when you do the exact same thing back. No, but I tend to cry, get angry, and then afterwards when my mood's over, I laugh about it all. And my uncle like what the fuck just happened here yeah. i've seen you switching to three moves things in the space of 10 minutes a bit like harley quinn out the joker <laughs> yeah yeah you see the crying the crying and then you get angry after the crying do you yeah yeah you're, then, only, you're only getting angry because you're ashamed of crying yeah <laughs> yeah you see <laughs> you know what i mean and it was you that cried in the first place it's like, I'm going to kill you now because you made me cry. And then laughing after it all, I'm like... Because yeah. you're only laughing. Right, here, let me... You tell me if I'm wrong. You're getting anxious. You're feeling uncomfortable because you haven't put any thought into how you're going to respond to the answer. You knew you should have put the thought into how to respond in a correct way to the answer, but you didn't bother because you were having a good day. And when you were having a good day, you didn't want to do the work because you were having a good day because the other days were shitty and you didn't want to ruin the good day because the other days were shitty. You felt uncomfortable because you had no answers for the person. Then you start crying because you had no answers. 
then you're like a fucking lunatic because you were crying at the fact that you'd no answers. And then you're laughing at the fact that you were a fucking lunatic because you were crying because you'd no answers. Yeah. 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 Which means you should be doing the fucking work on the good days. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm an organized prick. I have the answers because in the good days, I'm thinking of the idiots out there that annoy me. I'm raveling through the shit they're going to say to me because people don't have 30 or 40 different phrases. And then when they say these phrases to me, I just come out with a very preloaded, pre-planned phrase. And I look like a prick. The only difference is I'm very much in control. Yeah. I just look like a prick. I am being a prick. But it's very much, do you know the way you, you're not in control of your emotions. I'm yeah. actually completely a confident prick. I'm just choosing to be a prick, which is the worst. That's where the narcissism comes in. It's like <laughs> complete control here. There's a, no stage you're going to rattle my emotions. I have 50 different smart ass comments for you. And that's where I'm being a prick. You know, so for everyone else, <laughs> it's probably killed it for everybody going, I had so much faith in them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not like, I, I, it's not every day I'm like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm an organized prick at times. Here you go, you see with yourself, do your practice, right? You're going to be practicing the Wiccan. You're fucking a legend at it at this stage. You're fucking all at one. Do no harm. I find that comical because your number one rule is kind of getting fucked up with the BPD. Yeah. <laughs> When you're in a state of, she did say today you could meditate. See, I, I do listen. When you're in a state of meditation, half your meditation up, half for whatever, meditation. Now use the other half of the meditation for, do you know the people in your life that annoy you? Yeah. Right. Everybody has them. What you do with the other half of the meditation is you go, all right. Tommy always says this to me. I feel really hurt and rejected by it. Instead of feeling hurt or rejected, I'm going to come back with this answer. Now, here's where the, the wicking comes into it. You can come back using the harm nobody. See, I'm atheist, so thankfully I don't have to use that. I can come back with the pricking. <laughs> <laughs> Being a prick. So I come back with... I have really polite answers. I have really non-confrontational answers. And I have very confrontational answers. Yeah. I just choose which one I want to use. Um, but, I, but they're preloaded. In other words, if someone says something to me, and I know them well enough, and they're always annoying me, as my son had said, annoying, um, he's only five. But if they're all as denying me, I have an answer for them. Yeah. You might be getting caught out because you don't have an answer for them. My little thing would be practice the answers. And that way then you have answers for them. Yeah, exactly. And if they're narcissistic, the best thing to do with narcissistic people, in my experience today, are one of the easiest people you'll ever deal with. 
Because they only work off a few little things. They love praise. They love when you keep feeding them praise. They love when you keep blowing their trumpet. Um, when you stop blowing their trumpet, they generally annoy you. But if you just go silent, they can't handle it. Because <laughs> they literally require stimulation. Yeah. They literally require you to come back and come back. And even though you think you're gaining ground, it doesn't matter to them. Even if you're being confrontational, they love it because you're giving them the attention that they want. When you completely blank someone who's narcissistic, it's the worst thing in the world for them. When you just let on they don't exist. Now, that's a practice you'd want to practice. Yeah, I yeah. can blank somebody and be beside them and let on they don't exist. Which is kind of the ultimate narcissistic thing to do. <laughs> I was just thinking of that going yeah, it's really narcissistic but I can if someone's been really rude obnoxious and being a prick I can literally blank them out of my life and just let on they don't exist you know so yeah um, I, I think that's it I think I, I, we've come our whole we've come a full circle it was a good thing you brought up the LGB LG I'm, I'm not being rude when I said LGBT, isn't it? LGBT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I that had that that had gone on in my head. That had gone on in my head. No, there's something. I did ask you, and you said you didn't want to. I love jokes. I know yeah. you know me, and you don't listen to the podcast, do you? No. No, I don't care. Like, I don't care if you do. It's not like you have to listen to it, right? Um if you if you did listen to the podcast, you would have won fifty grand last week, but you didn't. <coughs> so there you go. <laughs> um, I love telling jokes. I love telling jokes. Yeah. And I think you should be able to joke about anything. I agree. Yeah. I there you go. You agree, right? Um, and I think people in the LGBT that are getting offended, um. They're only offended because they're not comfortable within their own skin. I agree with you there. Like yeah, I think I, you can't be offended. It's like when the English called me an Irish bastard years ago, and I just turned around and meant, at least I'm not an Irish bastard, back to them. The worst thing you could possibly say to an English person that's calling you an Irish bastard. As far do you know much about the Irish history? I bet. I won't say I know overly a lot. You do know we had oppression for 800 years. Yeah. You do know it was Britain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you do know we have a bit of a, not so much now, but we have a little bit of a history with them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh. This is where I find it comical. Yeah. Is that the Irish are a group. We have been oppressed for 800 years. That's nearly a thousand years of oppression. That's a long time to be oppressed. We fucking didn't give in. And, but we can make jokes about ourselves. Yeah, we can. We're so, legends that we can laugh at ourselves. This is probably why we don't get oppressed. Because yeah, yeah. we can call ourselves dopey and everything else. So I think the problem with anybody is that they're not comfortable with their own selves if they can't yeah. laugh, you know? Do you find that in the LGBT community that there's a sense of can't take certain jokes or? 
I know at the moment, and I'm asking a couple of people from the LGBT community on, I know at the moment with Dave Chappelle, um, I didn't even know who he was, but... Uh, I, I honestly don't. What, what's that? I honestly don't know who he is either. Yeah, he's a comedian in America. He's he's not so much the Irish humour, you see. That's probably why we don't get him. Is uh, You don't know him, but you see, like that, he mightn't... I don't know if many people would know him in Ireland because his humour is very much American. Yeah. Very much... Um, no, I've, I've listened to him. And he's a genius. And I mean, literally, he's a genius. He's... He's a very, he comes across as a historian. He talks a lot about, he's, he's a black, uh, he's a black. Um, so he talks a lot about the, the slaves and stuff like that. So he, but he can make humor into slavery and all this sort of stuff. So he does um, get his point across, which is what humor is the point about. Yeah. But he's making jokes about the LGBT. Um, one of the jokes he says was, you know, for a trans woman, um, when when they got bottom surgery, you know, bottom, you know, bottom surgery, yeah, 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 I do. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I don't know if it's you or me. It sounds like we're underwater. Um, <laughs> it's it. He was saying when the when the woman got bottom surgery, it's it's just not the same. It's like a Beyond Burger. It's just not the same. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. As a joke. Yeah. As a joke, right. And a lot of the people in the LGBT, well, trans community are offended by that, right? I'm going to be honest here, which I didn't mention. I, I'm trans, but I actually don't care about the joke either. There you go. Right, you're trans. Right, but my... Argument, right, my argument with that would be this as an Irishman, if I was a trans woman, and because I thought about this and I thought about being Irish, do you know the way we are? I just thought about that going, the Irish should just make a joke about that going, it might be, be a, it might, it might be a Beyond Burger, but it'll be the fucking best burger you ever tasted. <laughs> And we would make humor out of it. Yeah. In other words, we'd own it. We would completely own it and go, yeah, True. that's fucking my Beyond Burger. You know, yeah. that's the best Beyond Burger you'd ever taste. Rather than going, that's offensive. I find that really offensive. Is Did that... People take that as offensive. They took it as hate. Hate? Hey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um... Well, maybe it's just me. I, I honestly don't see any hate there or any harm. It was a joke. It wasn't meant to be taken seriously. It's a bit out of proportion. Hate is really trying to harm someone purposely or trying to physically harm them or anything. Mm. And it wasn't that. That wasn't his intention. So, No, he's a comedian. Like, <laughs> literally, like it's not like you go to his show and you're like, this fella, an accountant, is he a magician? He's a fucking comedian. Yeah, exactly. He literally is a comedian. <laughs> um, which means... I don't think... He's going to be telling quite a lot of jokes. I don't think that's a big deal, though. I don't really... See, again, I think... 
And this is just my mentality with being Irish. I think because of the way we are, our culture, we have an extremely black sense of humor because of our oppression. So we find find humor in the fucking darkest spots. Yeah, that's very true, yeah. You know what I mean? Like we find humor in practically most things because that's just the way we're, we, that's our culture. We had but no other choice. So uh, this is where I'm in. I'm looking forward to hopefully they'll come on because again, I think they're funny jokes. I don't but know. But they're jokes. You, you, you've just admitted you're trans and you don't find it offensive. Um, <laughs> so if you're trans, are you, God. right, so what, what way are you trans? Non-binary. Me, um, Non-binary female, yeah. female to male. Yeah. It's fucking your mic. That's what sounds underwater. Yeah. Are you, you're underwater, are you? No. <laughs> is it my mic? It is. It's like you're moving. It's like you're moving over and back, over and back, over and back, or else you're touching it off something. <clears throat> is it flapping? Is it flapping? I'm fidgeting with a pen. So I might be there. Ah, uh, that's it. I'm done fidgeting. <laughs> that's the autism again. I'm I have a pen literally in my hand fidgeting, but I'm not putting it near the mic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Told you. Um. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're non-binary. So, but it it is a joke, and I mean, in the context of a joke, it's a joke. I would be a bit extreme to say it's hate. I, I don't know. Like I wouldn't say that. I'd be a bit worried if you were seeing that as hate. <laughs> yeah, like I, I've listened to his jokes on the trans community. Um, they're jokes. Some of them are funny. Some of them are funny. Some of them are not funny. But I didn't think they were not funny because I was like, oh my god, you can't say that. I thought they were not funny because I just didn't find it humorous. Some people can find certain jokes dry or some people might not like. Yeah, dry. Yeah, there you go. A bit like a fucking, there you go. There's another joke, a bit like a trans female bottom surgery. Yeah. Right? Literally, because they can't lubricate their own themselves, right? But it's a joke. It's not. You know the type of word? It literally is a joke. When, you, when it's in the context of a joke, it should be kept in the context of a joke. It's like when people say you can't joke about raping children. It can. I don't have one. There's definitely a joke out there somewhere about raping children. And it's a joke. It's not meant as the seriousness behind fucking pedophiles and whatever, you know? It's not like meant to be serious or dark. No, it's meant to be it's meant to be catching you off guard so that you laugh. Which is what all humor is. You can't tell yourself a joke. <clears throat> it's like you can't tickle yourself. I hope I never get someone on who goes, I can tickle myself. I go, get away, get away. You know. Yeah, so listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go because I have to go in there. I uh, I have to be up early in the morning and going to Dublin. But um that was great. I enjoyed yeah. that. And a, and a little treat at the end. The fact is you are trans and you're non-binary. So there you go. This is gonna lead nicely into the next podcast if I do get to do one with someone who's trans. Um because I do want to have an open discussion about it being a joke. 
not in a sense of I want them to agree with me, but an actual, well, where is it hate or where is it, you know, where is it wrong? Where is it off? You know, the type of, because the Irish can literally laugh at themselves all day long. Exactly. You know. Well, Jamie, look, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope to be chatting to you again. I'm actually going to call in. I might call into a, a certain shop. <laughs> I won't say anything because you have been given, you've given no details and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> so that's the way I, you know, I'm going to leave it respectfully like that. But I might call into a certain shop and say hello. So I'm going to say goodbye. Yeah. That's grand. See you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Thank you very much. Bye.